for another week breaking down Ohio State football. We thought we were going to get a game last week against, or two weeks ago, I'm sorry, we didn't record last week because of the bye week. Two weeks ago against the Wisconsin Badgers coming into Ohio State. Uh, what we got was what the official notes will call a game. And with a little bit of bad weather, uh, it did look competitive in the first half, but for the most most parts of the uh, the entire affair, you can say that really only one, one team belonged to be on the field that day, and Ohio State was able to prevail over a good Big Ten opponent from the West, Ohio State 38, Wisconsin 7. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Adam Vonderhaar. Adam, how are we living? I think in your opening epilogue, J.K. Dobbins was able to rush for another 50 yards on the best rush defense in the country. I'm doing really good this week, Ryan. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Your uh, your demeanor sounds a little down. It may be because of some internet issues we had before we started recording the podcast, but we're gonna we're gonna drive right through this like a semi up uh, 127, wouldn't you say? Truck, yeah. Truck, yeah. So I thought we'd start uh, today's show by just going through a little bit of what was a dismantling of the nation's top defense in the Wisconsin Badgers, who hadn't let more than 10 points be scored against their defense in a game uh, prior to Ohio State. They come and into, Illinois. And Illinois. Thank you, Adam. Uh, they come into Columbus as a, a very highly ranked team. Uh, you subtract that loss to Illinois, and this is where game day would have been uh, two weeks ago. But uh, Wisconsin uh, pulled a Clemson. Uh, they, they Clemsoned a little bit. Some would say they Ohio Stated, uh, if you're looking at the years, 2017, 2018. Um, but they drop one to Illinois. They come into Ohio State, uh, into Columbus, a little lower ranked than they would have been before. It's not as marquee of a game as it might have been, but still definitely a big game and a big uh, test for what we knew as a some, some top-ranked Buckeyes to uh, go against a team in the West. So for, the, for us to host them, and especially for you and I, talking about it a few weeks ago, worried about what the weather could be and kind of how points would be on the board. That first half scared me a little bit, although it was pretty reassuring to see kind of what the defense was able to do. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, they've been able to lay it on in the second quarter of every game uh, since the start of the season. This, this version of laying it on was in the middle of a hurricane. They got those 10 points uh, going into the half. And, you know, I think Justin Field said it best at the end of the game in the post game. He said, you know, I think on a good day, good weather, we probably could have hung 50 on them. And I don't think that's to sound braggy. <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. It was just one of those wet games to, to have as much offense as they did, I think is a testament to how explosive uh, this, this offense can be definitely pretty impressive because, you know, we, we know games in the past, Michigan state uh, that, when the rain comes down and it's cold and wet and just what those can turn into, they did a good job staying on top of it. Sure. And, you know, in any other offense, you might've looked at your redshirt freshman quarterback, Justin Fields, you know, <coughs> saying a, saying a quote like that and being like, eh, maybe not. But I mean, this year with just the caliber of team, this has been, he, it's not like he's lying. He'd be lying to say, no, nah, I don't, I, I think we played about as good as we could have in any condition. You know, 
He uh, fields on the day, 12 for 22, uh, passing 167 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, what what more can you expect from the nation's top defense coming into Columbus? I mean, he he put up really, you know, solid numbers through the air. Um, as far as, you know, a young quarterback goes, you can't expect, uh, you know, too much more from him. Um, he hit a lot of his passes. There were some, there were several key drops, even from, you know, big time, really reliable receivers. Uh, I remember a couple from KJ Hill that maybe were maybe thrown just a touch behind uh, where, where it needed to be. But, you know, Hill is known as your safety net. And a lot of times, as far as our receiving core goes, and he drops a couple, which you can expect on. I mean, it was for those that didn't watch it, it literally Adam said, hurricane, that's not too much of a hyperbole. Um, that that really was, I mean, the, the rain was coming down, the wind was blowing and I'm sure it would have been tough to get your hands on anything out there. So a couple drops count account for that. Uh, it being one of fields lower percentage completion games, but you know, as far as the plan to win goes, he scores the points we need to be scored. So two touchdowns through the air. Uh, you match that up with J.K. Dobbins. I mean, absolutely lighting it up. Uh, 163 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, uh, getting into the red zone. I don't think enough can be said about Dobbins. And, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's, he's put himself on a pedestal with uh, eclipsing 1,000 yards in three straight seasons. I believe – and Adam, you might have to call me on this one or not, but I believe when they compared that graphic, he was the first to do it since he, it was either Archie Griffin or Eddie Eddie George. So, just I mean, unbelievable company that he's uh, he's sitting in there. Fantastic. Yes, and Fields through the air had a favorite target on or two Saturdays ago, Chris Olave. This is a story we've already talked about, but. 93 yards, seven catches, two touchdowns. When you want to talk about your reliable playmaking receiver that you can go to in big moments when you need a score, I don't think you can look any further than Olave at this point. Like last year, he makes himself a name in the Michigan game. This year, it seems like when you don't need him, you kind of forget that he's there. And then a big time clutch play comes up, and Olave's sitting there wide open in the back of the end zone or five yards out ready to run it in. So, Really cool being being able to see that. Yeah, uh, I uh, probably wouldn't give that play explanation justice, but they ran a very similar one. I think it was against Nebraska earlier in the game. One of the first pass plays, basically in a spread pass uh, play. I think he lines up second to second to uh, the right of the line and uh, basically darts in left and straight, kind of a diagonal left and straight uh, from where he was. And he's been wide open for both of those. I think it's taking advantage of that be a man offense that he's kind of setting a pick, would it be with the far right receiver? But mm -hmm. it's worked twice, and uh, it kind of just seems like an automatic touchdown play. We'll see if somebody decides to pick on it. I'm sure there's a, a second or third check fields can do for – whatever else would be left open. And you'd have to think that, you know, that that's a variation of the play, but Ryan Day's got it in his, in his back pocket that we're not using everything until we need it uh, later in the season with a couple of rivalry games coming up. <coughs> I wanted to say the only reason that uh, – excuse me. The only reason that we're not talking more about J.K. Dobbins is that 
his Heisman campaign's kind of an eclipse by a you know coming out party for Chase Young, uh, defensive end. I mean, you as far as you know, eyeballs on the television performing when folks need to see it. He comes, Chase Young comes out of Saturday. He's got four of the five sacks the defense accounted for and two forced fumbles that absolutely changed the sway of where the speed of the game was going as, as far as momentum goes. I don't, you know, you take Young out of the equation, maybe somebody else would have collected for those, but you can't say that for sure. What you can't say for sure is he made a couple game-changing plays during that game, which skyrocketed him into the Heisman conversation. So you go into these last few weeks, folks are now finally starting to give him the respect that he's gotten from Mel Kuyper last year. Kuyper had him on his way too early uh, 2020 NFL draft project projections as going number one overall. Adam and I, as Bengals fans, maybe can cross our fingers and say, oh, well, we've got a shot at him going into next year because he's just that unbelievable as a player. Yeah, I mean, the Bosa brothers go through the program. You think, man, I don't think anybody at defensive end could be any better than this. And then here's Chase Young. I, For me, what from what I've seen – he hasn't been in the opportunity this season to make one of those Penn State overtime 2014 game-winning sacks. But I think I'd have more confidence in him to do it than either of the Bosa brothers, and that's saying a ton. That's not saying anything against them. That's just the confidence I have in Chase Young. Out of the three, I'd, I would take him in the situation to get in and get a sack when we need it. Definitely. I agree with you. If you're going to rank the three, I would take Chase at one, which is – if you would have asked me that preseason, I would have been like, uh, I don't know. He played second to especially Nick last year. But he's literally you, – you cannot play the position better than he's played it so far through this season. So, you know, I, I think that's about enough about Wisconsin. Folks watched it and saw. I mean, and obviously with the next topic we're going to talk about, we got some national recognition out of a game like that. But You walk in – later we see Tuesday of this week the first college football playoff rankings get published for the world to see and going into that I think that there were a lot of narratives going out there of oh LSU Bama you know 10th year in a row we're going to talk about ESPN wanting to call this the game of the century of the year of the decade of the whatever have you and I was ready for it I mean LSU had wins over marquee programs Auburn and Florida and, you know, Joe Burrow, Ohio boy, Southern Ohio boy on his own, walking in there and just destroying most of the SEC. I'm, I was prepared for LSU to be one, but the playoff committee rolls around. They make the announcement, Ohio State, number one overall program. First time, and many people might not know this, first time Ohio State has been ranked number one at all in the playoff era of college football even within the championship year and the year after the championship in 2014, 2015. Uh, fun slash uh, intimidating fact for those casual Buckeye fans is this is the, there are no initial number one overall ranking uh, team has ever won the national championship. In 2014, it was Mississippi state. They actually finished outside of the playoffs. And every year after that, it has been a variation of Alabama or Clemson, but have each finished Second, losing the college football championship. Now, what I say to that is there's a first time for everything. 
and everybody will remember this back from 2014, that Ohio State wasn't in the playoff conversation when the playoff first rating came out to this point in 2014. They were ranked 16th. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say, to this point, they were the lowest-ranked team to even make the playoffs and then ended up winning. So as far as setting precedent goes, this won't be the first time for Ohio State. Adam, your thoughts? It's just uh, I'm happy to see it. As far as the playoff committee goes, I, I know I'm not the only Buckeye fan in the last couple of years that have just gotten quite an amount of sense of paranoia. I, I think specifically last year where after a couple of convincing victories over Michigan, the top defense in the country supposedly, and then a Big Ten championship, led us to be sixth in the country behind a two-loss Georgia at fifth. Made me think that the SEC bias had found its way into the playoff committee selection, but you know, I I could also see the argument last year that they did see the faults. It, it, the defense wasn't good. It it, it was liable. Uh, you wonder what a month of planning Urban Meyer could accomplish uh, in his final season. But with all that said, you know, I'm happy to see him at one. As everyone knows, the only people that care about preseason or pre-championship uh, uh, prediction slots is Michigan because they're never there in reality. But with all that said, I'm happy to be here. I, I'm glad we're not one in every poll, coaches poll, AP poll, we're not one. Gives us something to fight for. Um, but, yeah, definitely can't can't be – I hope the players don't pay any attention to this unless it means that they're going to play like champions. But we'll see. And you bring up a good point with that. And there was a quote I heard from Ryan Day in his weekly press conference this week where he said – the only, the only praise he gave his team, he went into the locker room after the rankings were given the, the practice after, and he said, boys, congratulations. You're relevant as a team in November, which I think is, is so poignant in the way that the team has approached uh, late season motivation these last few years because we get this big head on our shoulders and then we walk into a big Big Ten West opponent and we've got you know, our head knocked right off our shoulders two years in a row. So <clears throat> for Ryan Day to kind of use it as a positive, but use it as a perspective shift for those guys in the locker room that are like thinking that they might be big bad now, it takes one game and your season is reset and you're out of the championship conversation. And if you listen to the interviews, you know, so far, I think that's one thing that you can definitely take from it. Now, you talk about LSU, you talk about Bama, 2-3, whatever if things go how many people think they'll go this week I don't think Ohio State's going to keep the number one slot for very long especially in a situation and we'll get to this later in picks but if Alabama whoops LSU and just takes them out of the conversation based on points scored Bama's going to jump both of us to go to number one well same with LSU vice versa I think if they just beat the snot out of Alabama I think Bama falls and LSU jumps to one. So really, unless it's a close game and both teams look bad, I think are we in agreement on that? Whoever I think, win, yeah, wins we're that game? we're gonna drop to two, maybe yeah. three, yeah. depending on just how both teams look in that game. Mm-hmm. It really just depends how the game goes, though. I mean, maybe they both look terrible. Probably not, just because of the dominance they've both shown so far. But it's hard to say. Tua just now coming back from a pretty I mean any normal human being would probably have a hangover from the surgery as, as far as performance goes but 
if he wants to make his Heisman story, same with Burrow, they both can make it in this game. Him coming back from injury and being just the the same force that he was, and and the Burrow revenge. Yeah, Burrow just being able to defeat Alabama, I think, would probably solidify right there. I mean, that this 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 weekend, you could argue, is more important to Chase Young's Heisman contention than anything, because if either one of them pulls ahead, I I, I would say Chase has a pretty slim chance of being selected. And he would be the you know the first defensive player to to well I mean even to be invited to New York I think he's this first since Andamika Sue but I mean more than that like Manti Teo was uh, oh Manti Teo okay I think second or third in the voting but okay I think that was all because it's been a number of years yeah his girlfriend definitely helped with the campaigning but yeah LSU uh Bama you know one of them my guess is going to be number one next week but you think about it you look at Penn State I think that's a really great thing for Ohio State moving forward is Penn State at number four jumping ahead of Clemson at number five undefeated undefeated returning national championship Clemson at number five because they've struggled they struggled against North Carolina and because maybe the committee doesn't put that much value in the ACC but you know if you zoom out and see the forest you know Clemson as if you're a Clemson fan you're not worried about getting into the playoffs you probably have the most clear shot of the top four teams from the initial ratings because no team ahead of you should have any chance even making a game with you. Yep. So, so, you know, you at number five, yeah, okay. You can, you know, it's it's bulletin board material for Dabo to get his team fired up, but really. But half the teams in front of you will be losing a game in the very near future. And then the team behind you also will have to lose before you get to the real uh, post postseason playoffs mm-hmm. they, they have the easiest way in all they have to do is win even if that means they're four they're probably I, I would say I'm more confident of them to make the playoffs than any of the teams in front of them because everybody else has a chance to lose yeah and if Clemson is to lose one of those games I mean they they oh they're done they've got to drop I mean their their best comp- their best opponent left is, is Wake, Wake Forest, Forest. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say <laughs> It's crazy to even say that. And then you mentioned that Georgia behind them. It's sickening that that, that that was my biggest disagreement is that Georgia's that high because their best win is against a bad, exposed Notre Dame team. And their worst loss is against South Carolina. And if they're in the Big Ten, you know, the comparable – They might be 16th. Yeah. I mean, the comparable South Carolina loss is like – I mean, look Virginia at Virginia like, Tech, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Look at like – look at oh I don't even know who to compare Illinois Wisconsin's not that far off yeah I mean literally think about Illinois Wisconsin because you look at South Carolina's record they're nothing but that that skyrockets us into this next little piece Ohio State announces today that they scheduled the University of Georgia for a home and home in 2030 and 2031 Adam what do you think about that I cannot wait I'm calling out you Nate Parsons we're going down (laughs) to Georgia to the Demidome the Doug Demidome Demidome, the Sanford Demidome. We're going to visit. It'll be great. First cousin here, Nate Parson, big Bulldog fan. And, uh, and then 2031, we'll bring it up here, run it back. Ohio State will win in the SEC and then at home. It'll be a fantastic, horrible decision on the AD at Georgia's part, but uh, happy to see it. Yeah, I mean, not, not much more to agree on that. Uh, we're going to be like mid-30s at that point, which is – 
crazy to think about, and it's crazy to think that that's how far that college football games are scheduled out. I, I disagree with that on a lot of levels. Uh, on why big programs feel the need to uh, – We'll have to see if your parole officer lets you go. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I'm going to be in my second prison, so – hopefully the the new boys feel feel the need to you know roll the chains out i mean i I saw this today like ohio state i mean in 11 years ohio state georgia could be in the same conference you know things could look totally who knows if there who knows if there's more than one conference yeah maybe literally maybe all of the division one teams just play each other and maybe it's the metro in the american league (laughs) who knows switch over to the nhl so with that adam as we begin to wrap up, I want to take us into your weekly pick segment. Uh, if you want to recap last week, you're welcome to. But I, I, or would you rather me to? You go ahead. Okay. So uh, Adam and I both take an L on our prediction of Notre Dame to cover their one and a half point uh, favorite. <laughs> oh, we were way off on that one. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan blew out Notre Dame, if we remember. And then Adam wins, uh, taking Indiana and uh, laying the points over Nebraska, two and a half. So Adam, 2-1 over Ryan. And then uh, as far as we'll take score prediction for Ohio State-Wisconsin <laughs> because Adam didn't uh, list uh, what team he took. So I guess oh, we'll, go t- uh, we'll go tie. We'll go 2-2 because Ryan's score was much closer than Adam's for Ohio State-Wisconsin. Um, Taking us into this week, Adam, why don't you bring us into our matchups? Cats and dogs living amongst each other. The <coughs> end of days. Here we are. Welcome back to Adam's Moneyline Minute, uh, sponsored by Bo the Blue Tech Hound. Our first matchup is uh, Maryland at Ohio State, the uh, playoff committee's number one team here in week nine. It is a 43-and-a-half-point spread given to – Oh, okay. They're giving the points to Maryland. That's interesting. Um, not exactly what you would call a barn burner as far as Vegas and what they think this game is going to look like. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts? This is this is really tough. That's a lot of points for and a Big Ten opponent. I would like – let me just – I'm going to do my research really quick and just see how this kind of lines up to the points in the past. So – Against Nebraska, Ohio State was favored by 18 points. I, I hope you know that. Adam, against Michigan State, Ohio State was favored by 21 points. Okay? So if you fast forward and you start looking at, you know, what, what do these teams really look like? You know, we're, we're past this initial, you know, scare. We're starting to look at what teams really are instead of what we think they might be. Is Ohio State 43-and-a-half points better than Maryland? Yeah. The genuine answer, yeah, that's not, it's not a discussion. Yes. They right. are. They could. And they absolutely could. Yes. So as I talk about this, and my fingers work to type in, just so I can see the final score, right, the final score of uh, Michigan – and Maryland, who played – did they play last week? I believe – yeah, last week. I ne- the only reason I need to see that – yeah, okay, it was, it was last week. And call me out if I'm wrong on this, Adam. 
No, I am wrong. This is like, or is this right? Th- 38-10. 38-10. Okay. Yeah. So Ohio State is going to score more than Michigan scored. So 38-10. We'll do a little quick math. Because I think that we need to protect our <laughs> – this kills – We're not covering the spread. I'm with you. We're not. We're not no, because no, – no, no. I, no, I, you take the no, and I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go gutsy. You ride gonna, Buckeyes. Yeah, I'll ride Buckeyes on this. I'm one. I'm just gonna say it. I, I, I would have nothing. I against. hope we don't. I hope Listen, we don't. You, you hope we don't cover the spread. Yeah, because okay. I hope, I hope that the starters aren't in after the half. I, I would have been completely fine with Ryan Day saying we're the Justin Fields back is sore, so we're gonna sit him a week. Chugs will be our starting quarterback. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, of course, and the rest of the starters will all play, but Fields isn't going to touch the field. I not only would have loved to have heard that, but uh, I'm a little disappointed we're not doing that. Maybe for Rutgers, we'll see, because it just the talent differential is just so vastly superior. The only thing that would give me pause is that all of these players remember how close Maryland was last year. That's what I'm saying. The upset of the century. Which, if I at least if I was on the field and I saw, you know how excited the fans were, how they thought they got robbed in that overtime, the, the bad two point conversion play, I would want to lay as many points down as physically possible. And I think all of our backups could 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 potentially cover the spread. But give, give um, me your score prediction. Yeah, as a realist, I'm taking the points with Maryland, and my prediction is. Give me a second to do some math. <laughs> the kid with the calculator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kid with the calculator, Jeff. Some quick just sevens. 49, Ohio State. I like that. 17. Whoa. Uh, okay. Maryland. And me. Does that even work for covering the spread? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I like, do the math. I'm going to get over it here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do Buckeyes so are points. It's, it's a crazy amount of points. Buckeyes. Let's do 55 and we'll do seven. No. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Dang. That right. does look pretty good. That, Mm. Mm, mm. all right no changing all right moving all right. on to Penn right, State, on. minnesota tell me tell me about the row the boat boys row the boat ryan there who's our head coach pj fleck pj fleck mr row the boat himself has found minnesota with an eight and oh start the playoff committee obviously sees straight through this glass castle that they have rode into uh because they've ranked them 17th in the country despite being undefeated Penn State, however, ranked fourth in the country. It's a seven-point spread. Penn State, if they have any sniff of a chance of making the playoff, it starts here out in the cold lands, the bad lands, the not rad lands of Minnesota, the lake, the thousand lakes, a thousand lakes, seven points here in the Thunderdome. I'm going Penn State, and I think it's not close. I think it's a blowout. Ryan, what do you think? I'm just just to go on odds twice, so we we don't tie next week. I'm going. Give me Minnesota. Give me PJ Fleck. Getting the boys ready. Uh, it's a home game. Penn State coming in. 
I think that Penn State still squeaks out with a win. But, but it's ho- within a touchdown, huh? Yeah, within a touchdown. Hopefully, Minnesota, PJ's got his boys ready. We- you know, PJ Fleck, he's got them rowing the boat. He's got them rowing the boat. The Nittany Lions come in. I think they're going to need. They're going to need something bigger, a, a pontoon, something with a motorboat. That's <laughs> the only chance pontoon. they've got. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I, I'm excited to watch that game. I think it'll be really exciting. And that brings us into our final matchup of the week. Obviously, th- this is the marquee game. Now, PSU-Minnesota, I'm, I'm more excited to watch that one, but this is the bigger game, um, depending mm-hmm. on just how it goes. So mm-hmm. you got number two, LSU, squaring off against – the elephants of uh, Birmingham – of uh, I'm sorry, Tallahassee. Paint me Tuscaloosa, a mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a – oh, my God. A six-point spread. <laughs> Ryan, am I reading this right? Yep. LSU yep. is the yep. favorite yep. by mm-hmm. six no, points? No, no, no. No, Alabama. Bama's the favorite. Oh, you got a plus next to Bama. I was about to be just lost on that. Um <laughs> Okay, yeah. Okay, this is much more realistic. So it's in Alabama. LSU's got to go north, uh, not north of the Mason-Dixon, but north of uh, their mosquito haulers uh, and swampland. We will see how this goes. Again, Tua is a question mark. Uh, The offense has not looked great under the direction of their backup uh, at Alabama. LSU, great offense. The defense is highly suspect. They let up a ton of points to Texas. Texas, as many know, not a good team. They're fighting for the Alamo Bowl. We'll see how they end up. They've got three losses. LSU, uh, Bama, I, this is a tale as old as time. Cam Newton was in his rookie season the last time LSU uh, beat Alabama. I, I'm taking Bama. I'm taking uh, – You want the points. Yeah, I'm taking – Or you're uh, laying the points. I'm laying the points. LSU, you keep them points. Joe Burrow, I believe in you, dog. Prove me wrong. I want to see you uh, in New York. But uh, I got to see it. I got to see it. Last year, all you did was disappoint. But, uh, yeah, let's see it. I, I feel like this is the easiest bet of the weekend. Give me Alabama. Yep. Uh, give me the points. Because I think if LSU gets out of there with a win, it's going to be a darn close game. But everybody knows it. It's a 331 kick. So, I, I think that's going to be the case. Well, that was Adam's Moneyline Minute. Yeah, Adam. Always exciting. I was going to say, thank you. Uh, any closing thoughts on Ohio State, Maryland? Um, I'm just excited to see Ohio State play again. It feels like a month since I've watched them play. Um, other than that, I hope everybody stays healthy and we pull the starters as early as possible. Well, great. I mean, that's, that's my case as well. And uh, hopefully here the, uh, the Maryland Terrapin Turtles – who aren't visiting on a homecoming weekend down here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I hope they have you and uh, your fans with Maryland. I hope you have a nice stay, but hope it's an absolute trouncing and not a game at all. So, I mean, Brent's pizza. It'll be, I was going to say, yeah, if if you join, yeah, if you join Columbus, please try out Brent's pizza, big shout to Mark Mitchell uh, with Brent's pizza. Go ahead and uh, give that a try if you're in town. But with that, I think this is our our best time to sign off as the number one college football team uh, with the Ohio State Buckeyes coming out with the first uh, college football playoff ranking. The number one college football team, Buckeyes. Uh, I'm signing off. I'm Ryan Vonderhaar. And I'm Adam Vonderhaar. 
And thank you for joining us this week on the Silver 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 Saga. Saga.